right, kiddos, if you'd like to go to Children's Church, you can follow Grace or Steve? Grace out this morning? All right, I wondered. I didn't know. Grace out the back this morning. Is this uh, this year's problem? Yeah, well, you're good. Very good. All right. Thank you, gentlemen, for leading us in worship this morning. Man, so much truth this morning already. I don't really even need to say anything, do I? Some really great stuff. I appreciate all that. Oh, y'all don't have to clear that. Okay. Well, now that you've cleared that, I'll I'll move up. That was quick. Y'all are like on a moving company or something. All right. Well, listen, listen. We've been uh, we've been talking about God's kingdom, and boy, we're a little uh, unbalanced today. This is gonna be hard for me. Um, we're, we're gonna we've been talking about God's kingdom coming, and and uh, you remember the first week we talked about Jesus' prayer, where one of the things, one of the primary parts of his prayer was was he asked us to pray. He asked his disciples. He, he said, "Pray." To God, he said, your kingdom come, what? Your will be done. We're going to do this a uh, little interactive. Your, your kingdom come, your will be done. Asking really for God's rule and God's reign um, in our lives, in our communities, across the world. And basically he says, right, on earth as it is in heaven. You've heard this one before. That's excellent. Okay, very good. Um, but basically it's that, it's, that dare, it's, that, it's that prayer for God to come establish your rule and your reign. And, and the very first part of this of this war we face is whether or not we want his rule and reign over our lives. That's the very first question, isn't it? Do I want God's rule and do I want God's reign over my life? That's the very first question we have to answer. But, but you know what the deal is, is that we see, you know, you guys have seen just some, what an what a cra- tr- incredible, tragic couple of weeks we've had where we've had all the violence in the Middle East. We've had terrorism in, in, uh, against Israel. We've, we've had, uh, you know, in, uh, um, in, um, in, in the Eastern Bloc countries, uh, an airplane uh, shot down, another airplane went down in, in Africa, and then plus all the, all the bad news in, in, the, in, the, in our country itself. And, and, you know, we look out and we see and we, when we say things like, well, you know, where is God? Well, the thing is, is that we're supposed to be praying, God, your kingdom come. Establish your rule here. And one of the things that we believe is, is you know, as, as Christians, as believers, is that God's rule and his reign is coming. It, it, both, it both has come and it is coming. And what we're at here is this very awkward kind of transition time where, where God has brought his kingdom, where it's been established. God has, has set up an, a, a beachhead here on the earth, but there, we're at this time of conflict. We're at this time right now where, where, the, where the kingdom of God has been established, but it's been established in enemy territory. And so that means that there are two kingdoms side by side in the world, active, working, right now today, working in our community, working in our church, working in your lives, both sides working, both sides making war. Sometimes we don't even feel it or we don't even know it, but the truth is, is that the world is at war and it's between two kingdoms and there is a battle going on right now for the hearts and the souls of men and women and children all over the planet. Yeah? That's what these kingdom parables, I think, are all about, or is this struggle between God to, to take back all that was lost in the fall and for him to redeem and to buy back and restore all that he had created for good but had been lost to sin and corrupted and twisted and broken by sin, and God's redeeming and buying back. And we have in Matthew chapter 13, Matthew took several of the parables that had to do with the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, and he's put them here together for us in one chapter. So as we're going to continue in Matthew chapter 13, we're going to continue looking through these passages. So, so we talked the first week just about praying, and, and for all of us to be engaged in asking God, 
Lord God, bring your kingdom. You know, one of the things that, that, talks about, that uh, Revelation talks about, it talks about God, God waiting and waiting and waiting and Him not coming and for such a long time, it seems like. Uh, but all the time, there are the prayers of the saints that are going up to God and asking Him, when is it going to happen? When are you going to bring an end to all this? And, and a lot of the, a lot of the, the Scripture, a lot of the, that kind of um, 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 prophetic writing is about the prayers of the saints going up and saying, Lord, how long will you put off justice? How long will you let this continue? And it's the prayers of the saints that God finally answers, and he says, the time has come. I'm going to fulfill the coming of my kingdom. I'm going to bring it all. The, the world is coming to an end. I'm going to put down every evil thought. I'm going to put away every evil act. I'm going to put away every evil person. I'm going to put away all the schemes of Satan are going to be put down, and God will finally establish his rule and his reign over all of the earth. And what can we say but what? God hasten the day. Amen? It's a lot of struggle. It's a lot of heartache until then. There are a lot of people that were being hurt. There are a lot of people who were, who were killed. There's a lot of persecution. There's a lot of unrighteousness against the, our Creator that's going on. And one day, that'll all come to a close. But let's read. These are Jesus' parables. So, right, a, a parable is a, Jesus would tell a story of some very, you know, there's so few of us. Let me come on down here. You don't, not many of you have to look over heads today. So, um, um, the, in, in, uh, in the parables, Jesus would take, and he would take some very simple thing from everyday life and apply it to, say, to explain to people. Now, see, you know this, you see this, you experience this, and it, he would use that to explain some spiritual truth. It was usually just one or two truths, you know. Uh, today, I think there may be three or four kind of observations that we can get out of this, but let's, let's go ahead and read it. This is the parable of the weeds, which, uh, man, is just really great stuff. Look with me in Matthew chapter 13. We're going to begin in verse 24. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven, here it is, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first, collect the weeds and tie them into bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring them into my barn. Now, here's the great thing about some of the parables in, in Matthew chapter 13 is that Jesus explains them himself. He does his own exegesis, right? If Jesus did this everywhere, there would be no need for pastors, right? But um, very fortunate that it's here. He leaves nothing to uh, interpretation. He explains it all so well. So skip down with me. Look down in, uh, in chapter, cha- same chapter 13. Look down in verse 36, and Jesus is going to explain it to just his disciples. We talked about this last week, right, where, G- where his disciples were asking, Lord, why do you talk to the people in parables? And basically, what does he say? He says, I'm only giving truth to those people who receive it. So he would scatter these seeds, he would scatter this truth in parables, but only to the faithful, only to the people who believed in him would he bring about more truth. And basically, um, what we talked about last week is that when you receive the word of God, when you receive his truth, you need to receive it and you need to act on it, right? Or else what Jesus said was, if you don't, even what you've been given will be taken away. But if you act on it, God will bring about even more truth in your life. So very important to be receptive to God's word and also to be active, to be quick to obey um, his word. So anyway, we talked about that last week. Let's continue as Jesus explains the parable of the weeds beginning in verse 36. 
Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and, at, and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. This is good news for me, by the way. Anytime I don't understand the scripture, I'm in good company, right? Uh, the disciples, those guys that were with him day and night, they ate with him. You know, they, they, they slept in the same place. They were all there together. He, they saw his, his teaching. They saw his healing, and they said, Lord, we don't understand what you said. I'm in great company. That's good. He, he answered in verse 37, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has an ear, let him hear. All right, so here we go. Here we have the, the parable of the kingdom. And let me just ask you the, the players, the parts, and who they are. So first, who is the sower of the good seed? Jesus is, that's right. And who is, who, what is the field? The world, yes. What is the good seed? Sons of the kingdom, right? The good seed is the sons of the kingdom. Who are the weeds? Sons of the evil one, yes. And who is, who, who is the enemy who sowed the bad seed? The devil, yes. And, uh, and what is the harvest? The end of the world, that's right, end of the world. And who are the reapers? Who are the harvesters? The angels, yeah, God's angels. So here we have, those are all the players in this deal. Now, I want you to, you know, Jesus told us and he spoke to these, and some people have called these word pictures, but you can imagine, right? We all can, you know, we live in the Texas panel. We can all imagine a wheat field, right? We can imagine someone who's gone, gone and sown a bunch of wheat in a field. And, and uh, here what happens is that, is that after, after they've sowed, after they've planted the, wheat, the, the seed of the wheat, after they've planted it, someone comes along and sows in weeds. And why did they do it? Doesn't say necessarily, but you could imagine, we could all imagine, right? If you had an enemy that you were trying to put down, what a better way to get to them than to ruin their feedstock, to ruin their, their food, to ruin it all, right? And so someone, the enemy comes in and he's trying to ruin, um, uh, trying to ruin what, uh, what, what the owner had planted. I've got, um, and since we already read, you know, what Jesus had to say about this, I've just got four quick uh, kind of uh, observations about this. One is the intention about it. So it says specifically that, that the owner of the field, that is God, or here uh, um, the, the sower is Jesus Christ himself, um, sows good seed. God's intention is what? Good, right? But what's the intention of the enemy? Yeah, it's bad. It's, it's evil, right? It's, yeah, it's the opposite of good. Yeah, we call that bad, right? Yes, um, it's the opposite of good. His intention is, so the enemy is trying to ruin what, what the owner of the field, what the planter has done. So, so here, here we have and how this plays out is God has good intentions toward his creation. He has good intentions towards people, but the enemy comes along and tries to ruin um, what, what God has done. That reminds me so much of what the Bible says and what Jesus said in John chapter 10, where he says the thief comes only to steal, steal kill, and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. You see, we have an enemy who comes and who tries to steal, steal, kill, and destroy. I can't say steal and kill in the same sentence. I don't know why. Um, but we have an enemy who loves to ruin, try to ruin, attempt to ruin all that God has done. Listen, 
we, this is, I hope this is kind of a wake-up. I hope this whole series is a wake-up call to us all because, listen, we have an enemy who is alive and well and is still trying to ruin what God is trying to do in, in good. Now, it's, it's not an equal fight. It's not like God is like, oh, man, I'm not sure I can pull this off. It, man, it's not like that at all, right? Um, because God does win in the end. There's just no comparison. He is the sovereign of the universe. There's nothing outside of his ability. His power is supreme. He is the Almighty. The Old Testament got it right. He is the Almighty. There's no one above him, right? However, we have an enemy, and don't forget it. You've got an enemy. We have an enemy who's trying to ruin and sow in weeds. He's trying to sow in ruin into our society, into your family, into your own life. He's looking to ruin you. He's looking to ruin everything he can. He's looking to take what God created for good and God created for his glory, and he's looking to do everything he can to tarnish it and to ruin it. Um, That is the nature of our enemy. He is a killer, uh, a thief, and a destroyer. And you can see him at work in the headlines of our world every day when he hardens the heart of men and they do terrible, uh, terrible, terrible things, stealing, killing, destroying. Um, but the other thing I, I, that I notice is this. So, so the first one, I think the first observation is about is, is, is intentions. I think it tells us something about the nature of God and the nature of our enemy. But not only that, that is, it, is this, is this uh, parable about intentions. It's also about ownership. Who owns the field? Yeah, don't, yeah don't, don't be lost on me. Who owns the field? God owns the field. Who owns the season? Who owns the growing season? Who owns the time, right? God does. And, and who is it that owns the harvest? God does. See, he's, I think this speaks of, of this time frame that the farmer's talking about, this time frame that the landowner's talking about. It all belongs to him. It all belongs to God. And I think in a way this parable talks about the ownership or the sovereignty of God. He's over it all. Um, the other thing I think that this, this, uh, that this pa- t- passage talks about is intention, ownership, and then the third one is patience. Listen to what he says. See, the, the, the workers of the field, the servants come in to the, to their, to the owner of the field, and they, and they say, and they ask him, should we pull them all up? Should we pull up all the weeds? And what does the owner say? He says, no, what? Wait. He says, no, wait. You see, th- this, I think, speaks kind of cosmically about God. When, when, when the world was ruined by sin, when the world was ruined, when, when man cooperated with the enemy, when, when, man co- when Adam and Eve cooperated with the enemy and, and plunged the whole universe into sin, it was all broken, it was all corrupted, and it was all basically ruined at that point. And God could have what? Could have said, pull it all up. Put it all under. Let's, let's mow it all down. Let's destroy it all, and I'll just start over. But I think this passage, I think this parable has something to say about the patience of God. And so what does he say? For the sake of the what? For the sake of the wheat, don't pull up the weeds. Wait. We're not going to do it yet. We're going to wait for a time until the harvest has come. You know, we're going to wait for the time when the, you know, in, in wheat really pretty when it first starts, it's all, it all kind of sprouts up. It looks kind of like green, beautiful green grass coming up in a field, and then it starts to grow up, and it makes a head, and the head ages and, 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 uh, and, and becomes that really beautiful kind of gold or yellow color, and it ages, and then we know it's right. We all hear it. We know it's time for the harvest then. Right? Well, what Jesus is saying here, what, what Jesus, I think, is saying through this parable is he's saying that God could have destroyed it all, but he was patient and he waited for the sons of man to be planted and to grow 
So that they might be harvested and brought into the barn, right? And here the barn here is, uh, it's kind of funny, isn't it? Here the barn is, is eternity with our Heavenly Father. Uh, so, so I think God's, God's patience and, and his waiting to redeem us is, is just a beautiful, beautifully spelled out here. Is that he could have just said, level it all. But he said, no, he patiently waited for those of us who would come to know him because he had planted the seed in our lives to come and to sprout up in our lives that we might know salvation and his great redemption. Aren't you glad to know a patient God? I know I am. I know I need his patience. I know I, I, I only live today again another day because he was patient with me. The last thing, though, and I think this is a big part of the parable is this. Uh, so we had the intention. We had ownership uh, are the first two. And then this, the, the third observation here is about God's patience. And the fourth one is this, is about separation. There are two parables here in Matthew that are going to talk about separation between good and evil. Here it's about a separation between weeds and the wheat. So what does he say? He tells his harvesters first to go pull the what and do what with the weeds? Bundle them up and burn them in a fire. And then what happens to the wheat? Wheat gets harvested and taken into the barn, right? So, and in the end here he, he has it. Let's bring back up um, in, from verse 40 on, if you would please, uh, Juice. Uh, from verse 40 on, as the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels. It's interesting if you read the book of Revelation, it's the angels are, are opening, you know, they're pouring out the bowls. The angels are opening up the scrolls. They're basically bringing about all of God's purposes at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. That's kind of an interesting uh, statement there, isn't it? They will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So look at the separation. So what happens to the weeds? Fiery furnace. What happens to the, to the, what happens to the wheat? What happens to the righteous? Then the righteous will shine, what? What does it say? Like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has an ear. Let him hear. So here's the great separation in this story. One, the weeds are bound for a fiery furnace. Two, the others are bound for the barn or in implication here, what he says in the interpretation here, they're bound for, let me just put a word to it, glory. You and I, if, if, if you are sons and daughters of the, of the kingdom of God, if, if God has planted in you and it's taken root, the gospel, and you've come to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you've come to believe that his sacrifice for sins was for you, there's coming for you glory. Fantastic news, isn't it? This is, this is good news for me. This is, this is great news. But I tell you, I didn't want to just get to the point today where we talk about the difference. What I want to talk about is the mission that we have. You remember now, here we are. Here, here, here's the concept. We have weeds and wheat planted in the same field, kind of exactly like we live today, isn't it? right? Kind of exactly where we, we have the struggle in our own lives, right? It's, it's kind of like what Paul said in Romans chapter 7. He says, I know the good things I ought to do, but I don't do them. I know the, I know the bad things I shouldn't do, and I keep doing those. We have that, we have that same, uh, we have the, the, the same kind of war going on even in our own lives, but that same war is being waged in our families. That same war is being waged in our community. That same war is being waged in our, in our nation, and that same war is, is alive and well and, and in conflict all over the world, isn't it? There's this conflict between good and evil, and we sense it everywhere we go. Every time we turn on the news, every time we have an inward look, we see this conflict. Because there are two kingdoms in existence side by side. Because for now, God has planted the seed and established his kingdom within enemy territory. Right? 
So listen, I think part of the thing that we have to know as believers is that there are people around us who are not, have not come into the kingdom. There are people all around us. There are people that we come in contact to. You know, there's a, there's a waiter at your favorite restaurant. There's a, there's a cashier at the place where you buy groceries. There's a, a single mom that you connect with at school or your kids are friends. Or, or there's a coworker at your work. Or there's a student who sits beside you or behind you in school, and they're lost. They're in the kingdom of Satan. They're still in enemy territory, but they're right beside you. And the reason that they're still there is because of the patience of our Heavenly Father to give them time to come, to give them time for seed to be planted in their lives and to take hold and to sprout to see how many more would come into the kingdom, how many more can be rescued from this age, how many more can be rescued from this evil, how many more can be rescued from the end of the age when those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, those who have rejected him, are are in a fiery furnace. There's going to be a a day, there's going to be a time. See, see, you know, in in some ways we we hate this time. You know, we we want God's kingdom to come. In some ways we hate this struggle in our own lives. We hate the struggle in our family and our children and our husbands and our wives. And we hate this time of struggle in the world. But listen, the great thing about this time is that God is showing his patience. He's patiently waiting, and he's waiting to see who else will come into my kingdom. And listen, um, in these parables, God, Jesus Christ is often the sower. But listen, it's only by proxy now, right? Because you and I have become the sower. You and I have become the hands and the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now we have become the sowers in the field. We've become the one who are carrying out his mission to plant seeds in the people around us so that some others might know and might come into this great kingdom that we've found forgiveness, wholeness, purpose, peace, restoration with a broken relationship with our Father, the, the removal of that, that, that incredible weight of guilt and shame for all the things we've done in our lives, and you and I are walking free from it today. There's freedom in the kingdom of God that no one else knows. Amen? There's forgiveness in the kingdom of God that no one else has. There's purpose in the kingdom of God that people are dying to know because they're just spending their lives trying to fill up with, with food or fill up with game or fill up with something else because they don't know what else to live for. You and I do, don't we? We serve a God with an eternal purpose. We serve a God who desires and wants people to come into his kingdom, and he sent his son to die for them that they they might have life, and they might escape what's coming. Because, listen, that the, the time is coming to an end, right? God's patience only lasts for a time. We know and we believe as believers that there's going to come a time that, that God's patience is going to go away and there will be a time for judgment. There will be a time for justice. Right now, though, He is patient. That window is going to close and there will be people caught on the wrong side. It's going to be a, that's going to be a, a terrible day. For some, it'll be a day of rejoicing for others, but it's going to be a terrible day for some. And I just want to, I want to ask you just a couple of questions just, to, just for you to think about. First one is, how many non-believers do you know? Second question, how many non-believers are you friends with? Third question, if you don't know any, if you're not friends with any, how will they know? How will they know? 
listen, I want to encourage you. You know, this isn't, this isn't, I want to, I don't want to, uh, this isn't very difficult. It's, it's really not. But, you know, here, here's, here's kind of the thing. When I think about walking with Jesus every day, and, and God help me, I want to walk with the Lord Jesus every day, my love for the lost ought to increase or decrease? My concern for the lost ought to increase or decrease? Listen, let me tell you, there's something broken in every one of us because here's what happens. The longer the typical Christian walks with Jesus, the longer the typical Christian is in church, the the longer the typical Christian has Christian friends, their love and their concern for the lost go down. Why is that? Why is that? Let me tell you, I think there's a couple of things. One is I think we get very comfortable with people that we agree with. I think we get very comfortable with people who have the same viewpoint on life that we have. We get very comfortable not having to deal with people who have all the worldly trouble, you know? But listen, we all have to remember what? There, but by the grace of God, go I. Had someone not spoken and had someone not planted the seed, I would be just in their same situation. I, I would be in their same life. I think the other thing that we got to guard against, one, is we got to guard against comfort because God, listen, God didn't call us to comfort, did he? He called us to mission. He called us to purpose. He called us to go and make disciples. He didn't say go and, and, and make little, you know, segregate yourself away from society. Go make little monasteries everywhere you go. He didn't say that, did he? He said, as you go, you make disciples. And God has planted you purposefully around people who know nothing of his kingdom, who know nothing about his forgiveness, so that you could carry the word from from this broken world into their world that they might grow up in the kingdom of God. So so the first enemy, I think, that we have is comfort. We get so comfortable hanging around people just like us, just like us. One of the great things of the early church, the first church of the first century, is it was breaking down barriers that no, people had not seen broken down in a thousand years. There were Gentile and Jewish and Samaritan believers worshiping God together in the book of Acts. Listen, people, those, the, 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 the Jews and the Gentiles had been separated from the beginning, Right? For, for 1,200, 1,600 years, the, the Jews and the Samaritans had been separated from, from six or 700 B.C. But Paul writes is that because of the blood, because of the, by the body of Jesus Christ, the separation that existed, the wall that existed between Jews and Gentiles was broken in his body, and they all, uh, we are all meant to come back together in, in, in unity and, and, and come back together. But uh, all that to say, the very first thing we got to get over is to think that we're called to comfort because we're not. We're called to mission. We're called to continue the work that the Lord Jesus Christ started. We're, we're called to, to realize we're in a battle and there are people around me who need to know whose hearts and souls are on the line because they need to know the Savior that you and I have met. They need to know the Savior. They need someone to introduce them just like someone introduced you. Yeah? All right. The last thing I think is this. This is, this is terrible. Let me step on your toes. There's a little Pharisee in all of us. You know what I'm saying? There's a little Pharisee in all of us. There's a little Pharisee that, that you know, we're, we're going along, and, and our life was a wreck before we came to, to the Lord Jesus Christ. We were lost in sin. We had wandered away far from him. The Bible says about you, and the Bible says about me, that there is no one righteous, no, not one, 
all have fallen away. All have gone astray. No one worships God. No one glorifies him as they, as they should. And matter of fact, it says is that by our evil, by our evilness, we suppress the truth of God. We put it down. And then you came to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he called you out of that lostness. And he changed everything for you. He reprioritized your life. He, he called you from walking in that, in that unrighteousness. He called you from walking in unrighteous ways. He called you out away from sexual temptation. He called you out away from financial irresponsibility. He called you out of that. He made you a good steward. He, ma- he made you a person who was walking on the straight and narrow, not perfectly, but better, right? Living a better life, more, living a more righteous life. Something happens in all of us, watch this, something happens in all of us where we, where we get down a little further down the path and we start to think, I did this. Listen, listen, the very first thing that we have to combat as a believer when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ is that we've got to combat all that evil, all that wrong, all that lostness in our life. But then the other side that we have to combat is that when he begins to call us into righteous living is for us to become self-righteous, and we've got to combat against that and combat against being a Pharisee and say, oh, thank God I'm not like them. You know what? We're all just like them. The difference is someone planted a seed of the gospel in our lives, and God has rescued us from all of that. But you didn't get there by yourself, did you? Listen, I... The the world does not need another spiritual Christian snob. The world can't stand another one. There's plenty. The job's already filled. Let's let's go on to do something else. Let's go on to be merciful and gracious because we are just like them. I was a sinner in need of grace. You? I was a sinner. Matter of fact, I, I still I, every day I get up and you know Jesus told another parable about a man who went into a church and uh, to went into the temple and and uh, it was about a Pharisee and a man, and he went into the temple and he said, "Thank God I'm not like that sinner." And what did the sinner do? He he got down on his knees and he beat his chest and he said, "God forgive me." Listen, you and I are called to be the guy, the sinner down on our knees who beat our chest and say, "God forgive me, a sinner." Sinners are messy. People outside of the kingdom of the God, they're, you know, there's a reason they're called weeds here, you know. I, I don't know about you. I got weeds in my lawn sometimes, and, and I tell you what, it possesses my mind a little bit. I'm a little obsessive, compulsive. I can't stand them. I don't have time for them. They mess up my yard. They make it look bad. They're not, you know, the big thing is they're not even. They don't grow at the same speed. That makes me crazy, especially whatever this was this year that took off. I have no idea what that is, but I hate it. Right? It makes me absolutely crazy. If I'm not treating weeds, I'm thinking about it 24 hours a day. I know. I, that's, that's more than you. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have shared that. That's more than I should have said about myself. You, you didn't need to know that. They're messy, and they take time that I don't have. Listen, but you and I are called to a mission. We're called to bring about and to, to help people get from this kingdom of lostness, from this kingdom that's, that's bound for an eternity in hell, and we have the opportunity and the time right now in God's patience so that we might do in someone else's life what someone else has done for me and you. Amen? God help us. Listen, I, I pray for us all that God will change our priorities. And listen, I'm not talking about you need to spend, you know, 20 hours a week just, you know, going and see the lost. Listen, the way it was put, the way Jesus put it, he said, as you go, make disciples. Listen, when you run into that same cashier over and over again, wherever you shop, get to know them. Learn their names. 
hear their stories. Open up a time that you can have a dialogue. And, and listen, be patient. You, you know, take time. Take, take a matter of weeks. Take a matter of months and get to know them. I tell you, it's, it's amazing what people will share in their lives. It's amazing. Brent and I, we go to, Brent goes to Sonic a lot, and we've befriended one of the servers there. And, and man, she's, she's fantastic. We love her. And she's got a messed up life and is in need of a Savior. And I pray for the time that we get to sit down with her. I pray for the time we get to share with her that we found the God who rescues and redeems the lost because we're the same as her. We're the same. They're messy. They're time-consuming. They're scary. They're uncomfortable. And you're called to them. Amen? All right. Let's do this. Let's pray together. We'll, we'll dismiss. Heavenly Father, we thank you. And, Lord, I, there's, uh, you've done so much in our lives, and it's so hard for us not to, not to be caught up and to be thinking that we've done this not to be thinking that, that, that we've been the ones who've, who've become righteous. Lord, that was you and you alone in our lives. We can't take credit for any of that. Lord, when we see the lost around us with broken lives, with multiple marriages, with children outside of wedlock, when, with uh, all kinds of financial problems because they're not being good stewards, uh, whatever it is, Lord God, when, you know, with uh, whatever, whatever, whatever trouble they're having, Lord God, let us all say there, but by the grace of God go I. Let us, Lord, help us to give credit where credit is due. You're the one who's redeemed. You're the one who saved us. It wasn't us ourselves. Father, we thank you for all that you're doing around us. We thank you, Lord God, you invite us to come and, and help out and to come and, and, and do battle in your kingdom, to plant the seed of, of your goodness and your righteousness in the people around us. And I pray, Lord, just these, these three simple things that we would pray for an opportunity, to look for that opportunity and to take that opportunity because Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 5 the days are evil and we need to make the most of every opportunity I pray, pray Lord God that we wouldn't see people as a mess I pray Lord God that we wouldn't see people as a hindrance I pray that we wouldn't see people that are around us the loss that are around us is just a, a mess of a life that we don't want to get our hands involved in I pray that we, you would help us to see them like you do there are lost sheep in need of a savior just like us Help us, Lord God, I pray. Help us to make friends. Help us to love people like you do. Help us to love the lost like you do, Lord God. It, it won't happen, Father, if, if your heart for them isn't in us. So, so by your Holy Spirit, Lord God, I pray that you would put a heart for the lost, a desire and a love for them in our hearts, and help us to get away, to put out that little Pharisee in us who makes, that, that makes us think we're better than them, that makes, that, that makes us think that, we're, that we've achieved something on our own. Lord, instead, I pray that you replace that with love and compassion. It's in Jesus' great name that we pray. Amen. 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 Listen, y'all have a great week. Thanks for being here today, and uh, enjoy your time in the kingdom this week. Amen.